My name is Michael Tobin, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Welcome into the Emerald Podcast Network. We're talking about Oregon football versus Stanford. I'm Sean Meadow. I'm with Jack Butler. We both just covered the game. It's 11.43 p.m. on Saturday night, just after Oregon football fell to the number seven Stanford Cardinal, 38-31. to Jack, just to recap this game really fast, Justin Herbert, 26 for 33, 346 yards. He was really the star of the game. Your story on him was about how that was kind of overshadowed by by the loss that the Oregon Ducks had. So we'll we'll get into that in a moment, but Oregon led the game all the way through, and at the very end, with clock expiring, going down to zero, Stanford hit a field goal to tie it at 31 and send it to overtime. The Ducks unable to respond when Stanford scored a touchdown in overtime on their, just their second play. But that kind of all led from a C.J. Verdell fumble with 51 seconds left. We'll get into that in a moment, but what are your general takeaways from the game we just watched uh well i mean essentially like oregon had this game in the bag i i think you know at one point and these are kind of silly i have bone to picks with these usually but you know the win probability uh when you know right before cj verdale fumbled it was like you know 98 percent or, or something 98.7 98.7 yeah exactly and you know, post game and and during it, you know, we had thoughts and questions about why uh, Oregon wasn't taking a knee uh, during that time. I think you know they had three downs, roughly like two minutes left. Uh, Stanford had one timeout, so you know they essentially had two downs. You know, you take seventy seconds, sixty seconds off that clock, you punt it. And now Stanford has no timeouts with like 15 or 20 seconds. You know, they got to drive the length of the field now. And Mario Cristobal said, you know, he didn't want to call a timeout. He wanted to be aggressive. And, you know, when C.J. Verdell fumbled, you know, he's going across that, you know, the first down marker. And if they get that first down, the game's over. Stanford only has one timeout and that's not enough absolutely at that point so really they let this game slip away i mean you talk about jake hansen this uh a redshirt junior you know three-year starter at center with two weird snaps i mean he snapped it right over justin herbert's mm-hmm. head for this miraculous then 80 yard touchdown play for stanford i mean it was that was when the momentum kind of flipped and that's and then he had one earlier that just was the complete opposite and stayed on the ground and herbert fell on it and eventually you know, killed what um, was looking like a really promising drive. I mean, Oregon still gets three points out of it, but obviously, as we know, in this overtime game, three points would have made the difference. So, you know, really a lot of missed opportunities for Oregon. And, you know, when Justin Herbert was playing a historic game, at one point he was 25 of 27. He ended, like I said, 26 of 33. I mean, like, you're you're not going to get that repeat performance. <laughs> like, I mean, Herbert is capable of it, but you're just like not odds are you're probably not going to get that. And they squandered it. And guys around him, you know, he's a transcendent talent, but the guys around him, uh, with the exception of Dylan Mitchell, uh, didn't hold up their end of the bargain. And I don't know about you, but 
you know, I mean, just mismanagement of a game and then just some really sloppy turnovers was something that keeps Oregon from a top 10 win, keeps Justin Herbert from, you know, a big legacy victory. And just a quick quote that I can read quickly about that, Neil, the 51 seconds left in the game. Oregon elects to try and get a first down, and Cristobal said that's that's what they were going for. Second and two, it's a play we feel good about, he said. First down, the game's over. You could kneel it, but you're going to have to punt the ball. And Jack, you tweeted about how if Oregon decided to just run the clock out with kneels, it would have been about 15 seconds. And even Cristobal confirmed that number to us. He said 12 seconds, 15 seconds, somewhere in that range would have been when they punted three seconds or so of airtime, maybe and the ball hangs in the air and, and you stop Stanford. There's really one, maybe two plays and you have them pinned pretty deep. They're in their own half. It's a field goal, which would have to require a long one. And Oregon gave them a gift. CJ Verdell, of course, he's going to feel bad about himself. And uh, Chris Ball said he didn't want to point the finger at him. So no one's going to the whole locker room is going to quote, love him up. And they were, they're going to try and build his confidence back. But that might hurt him and and CJ Verdell, who had a really good game. If you take away that that drop, he had one touchdown, but 115 yards. He led the Ducks in rushing 20 attempts. I think he was a promising player for Oregon in the future, but now he's already a player who's so instrumental. He had more carries than Tony Brooks James. I mean, Justin Herbert carried the ball more than Tony Brooks James. He had 11 carries, but I think you you look at the way that Oregon approached the game. And they executed their plan perfectly. Halftime, 24-7, to Oregon led. Really just didn't look bad. I think pretty much every drive where they got anywhere close, they didn't really turn the ball over. They kept it going. And, I mean, the worst-case scenario was pretty much a field goal at that point by by halftime. But then it hits the third quarter, and it all just starts to go downhill. Yeah, and look, like you were mentioning, talking about game plans executing. I mean, in in that first half, they they out— Stanford, Stanford, I mean, they were controlling the line of scrimmage. They were by far the more physical team. Stanford's had a lot of trouble getting Bryce Love going this year, um, which is, you know, pretty stunning. But they were only coming in averaging 115 rushing yards a game. And, I mean, Oregon did inevitably hold them to 71 rushing yards. But Oregon dominated that line of scrimmage most of the game. um, And really, Oregon's offensive line dominated the line of scrimmage for most of the game. But I, I think at halftime, um, Oregon had, you know, roughly like a hundred and like 40 something yards. And then in the second half, I think Oregon only put together somewhere like 40 rushing yards. Um, I think it's in my story that I published specifically the numbers, but uh, it's 1150 and I'm tired. So I don't remember specifically, but like they also just started to lose the battle of the line of scrimmage. And, and again, this all kind of, for me comes back to just how you know great Justin Herbert still was because you know he still led them to a touchdown in in a fourth quarter uh, that was crucial uh, obviously ended up not mattering that much for the Ducks but you know they were that was the best I had seen them play in two years I mean you know they didn't have Herbert obviously last year when they played Oregon but or when they played Stanford but Stanford smoked them and probably even with Herbert last year, Stanford beats them. But, you know, this year they had all the opportunities in the world to beat a, a, a top 10 team and, and a team that is the defending Pac-12 North champs, and they just they just couldn't. I don't know if that's a lack of any big game experience. And, you know, maybe, you know, I'm sure Cristobal is probably wishing he took three knees. But, you know, and you, you give 
life to, you know, lesson learned. You give life to a Stanford team that is a top 10 team, but also figured out and Stanford should have been doing this earlier is actually kind of ditch the run game and just absolutely dominate with their huge receivers and huge tight ends. And, you know, we talk about Justin Herbert's line, KJ Costello, 19 of 26, 327 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Like, KJ Costello was fantastic too. No one was really talking about that post game. It, it seemed like right. it was very much Justin Herbert oriented, but that line for Costello's phenomenal. Really, nineteen of twenty six is nothing to to put yeah, down. And and look, like you know, Caden Smith, uh, a huge tight end, six receptions, ninety five yards. JJ Sega Whiteside, that big wide receiver, four receptions, eighty four yards, two TDs. Um, Colby Parkinson, a like six 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 seven tight end, three receptions, fifty yards. He was the one that caught that overtime touchdown pass that he tipped up in the air and snagged. I mean, you know, Stanford eventually figured out that they could pass on, on this small Oregon secondary and they took advantage of it. And that's just when the Oregon offense stalled. I mean, only seven points in the second half when you have Justin Herbert dealing like he was, I mean, again, we're going to have to rewatch the game, see what happens, see what Oregon, you know, some of those players say throughout the week. But they, they lost the line of scrimmage at the end of the day, and that offense sort of sputtered. And, and I think they had a transcendent player in Herbert that, you know, not even sort of going more on Herbert, but just like, you know, this was the national spotlight game. And while he diced everybody up, that's not necessarily going to be what everybody's talking about, which, you know, I mean, look, for the local kid and, and a team that, you know, Oregon wants to put out there and have as a Heisman contender and possibly possibly number one QB taken in the NFL draft. Like I think the world saw that he could wheel and deal, but at the same time, you you might not get that performance from him against a, a quality defense like this again. And going back to the game, just I want to bring it up because it was a controversial moment at the time. Jalen Red scored a touchdown, or at least thought he did. It was originally called a touchdown. It was brought back. His foot hit the pile on before the ball crossed the plane. The rule clearly like reads that if it does go in that exact way it is not a touchdown it's where the ball was at the time because technically the foot hitting the pylon or a body part hitting the pylon not the ball i might very well be wrong it was fairly chaotic at this moment in time but i think yeah building off what you said is like jalen red's foot hit the pylon and went out of you know, hit the pylon, so it's... And the ball was at the one-yard line the at ball... the moment when his foot hit the pylon. Thus, they brought it back to the one. Oregon ends up having that catastrophe yeah. where the Jake hands and ball over, snap over Justin Herbert's head, and then the 80-yard touchdown return at yeah. that point. That is the game-changing moment, yeah. and that's what I, I put in, in the story. You can read these stories that we're talking about. <laughs> DailyEmerald.com should probably make that very clear from the start, but... I think that was maybe the moment that it started. And for people who are wondering, Bryce Love had a similar touchdown. He didn't touch the pylon. The ball went over the plane. Touchdown. The same way. Same way that anyone else reaches over. I mean, yeah, like his feet didn't touch the pylon. So it wasn't technically out of bounds. His feet touched in the end zone and he had possession of the ball. I I guess it went over. I mean, you know, certainly, um, you know, it would be stunning to me if anybody tries to blame the refs on this, I mean... There the were... only only questionable call I can think of in this game was, was the, pass the pass interference, and we were right in front of but it on I, the sideline. If I recall correctly, the next play, Oregon completes it to, I think... To the 10. To the 10, essentially, 
you know, where it where it would have been, where, where it would have been if, you know, it's first look, it's still first and 10 at the 10 after that no PI call. Then there was another one that a lot of fans complained about PI, but that to me clearly wasn't a PI. Uh, Paulson Adebo and Dylan Mitchell were pretty evenly locked. And I mean, Herbert just like rocketed the ball in there. And I don't really I don't really see like Mitchell having the advantage, like it seemed pretty clean to me. So, I mean, look, like I. I you cannot blame the refs. I'm sure they were far from perfect, and that doesn't mean there aren't bones to pick, but um, that's always a crutch. But uh, we're certainly going to have a lot more to talk about, and we'll get to it at a podcast later in the week. And look, I mean, we'll be talking to players and coaches throughout the week during media about you know exactly what happened, and and this is very much a, a, a rapid reaction, so we'll get more time to think about it, but. Uh, wild, wild and crazy game. Certainly the loudest I've heard Autzen and Ben at Autzen in the past three, entering year three of covering this team. My final thought, I want to end it on, how does this affect rankings? Oregon ranked 20 going into this game, Stanford number seven. Yeah, how do you see I this mean, affecting rankings? Does Oregon should, would they look, go down very significantly? I, I mean, look, like the AP has a history of just like you lose, you go down, right? Like, you win, you go up. You lose, you go down. Most of the time, I, I, you know, not having an AP vote, obviously, uh, don't exactly know. I would not take them out of the top 25. I mean, look, they, if you believe Stanford's a top 10 team, which the AP does, they arguably should have won uh, this game, but they, they didn't. So that you know they'll, you know, and not punished for it. But you know what I mean. You know, they'll, they'll probably drop. But they're clearly to me a top 25 team right now and i i think most of the ap voters will will see that and yeah tough loss but also if stanford is a top 10 team then i mean look they took a top 10 team to the very edge and and could have definitely won so uh ultimately i guess if you're really thinking big who knows what the committee uh playoff selection committee well think i mean look i mean this is we'll touch on this later but look the pac-12 to me is still wide open and washington hasn't looked like they did when they made the playoffs years ago or years ago like two years ago but um we'll save that for later that's that's deep it's 11 it's almost midnight but um <laughs> point being they'll i think they'll drop i don't know exactly what happened around them uh gotta catch up on the day's action but uh, I'd imagine they'll drop a little, but I'd be stunned if they were outside the top 25. Well, there you have it. That's it for the Emerald Podcast Network. For the Emerald Football Podcast post-Stanford, Oregon falling 38-31. That was Jack Butler. I'm Sean Meadow. We'll have another podcast for you during the middle of the week, previewing the trip down to Cal. Yeah, the other Bay team. The other Bay team. It's back-to-back. Undefeated, undefeated. Not as bad as they have been in years past. A lot of players talking very highly of them post-game tonight, but we'll end it on that note. The Ducks falling to Stanford 38-31. Catch more Emerald Podcasts on Spotify. Not yet, just kidding. But you can catch it on Apple Podcasts on our website, dailyemerald.com, and on SoundCloud as well. We'll have coverage from Cal. Jack Butler will be there with Maverick Palak covering the game, but you know where to find us, dailyemerald.com. Dailyemerald.com.